Oh my god, we have waveforms for Mackenzie. Finally! This took fucking half fucking hour. Oh, let's talk about Harry fucking Potter. internet i'm annie i'm kit and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact the wizarding world makes no goddamn sense uh we want to kind of clarify before we get into this that we all actually like harry potter to a certain degree i was obsessed with it i still read it like once a year um i'm on potter more i'm a slytherin congratulations everybody um i'm also a thunderbird if we're going about the Livorni. I love how nobody can pronounce that name. I'm less of a Potter fan than you are. I I read the books as they were coming out. Like, I think I got into it around book two. And like, right after the fifth book, which is, you know, Harry Potter and the Insufferable Teen Angst, I had just gotten out of that phase of my life because that was one of the most painful reading experiences I've ever had. And I got about as far as book four. My brother kept going, but I just kind of stopped. I'm not sure where it lost me or how, but I think it was just that really long hiatus. Book four came out on my birthday and I'd won it for free and I had a note from J.K. Rowling in it. It's the highlight of my life. What do the notes say? I honestly can't remember. I think I lost it because I was like 13. But I have seen all the movies because my parents really like the movies. I've seen all the movies. I've seen them several times. I have them all downloaded on my shitty drive. See, I, I dropped out of the movies around like five Harry Potter and the Insufferable Teen Angst again. At that point, like I just didn't have much interest in watching six because I didn't like it very much. And then like I couldn't do two sevens. I can do two of those. So I have no idea what those movies do. Uh, they do feature Neville Longbottom the hottie. And surprise badass. I can enjoy Neville Longbottom the hottie anytime I want by just Googling that actor. Also, I accidentally stole the seventh book. How do you accidentally steal a book? That's surprisingly thematic. Uh, it was two days before it was even supposed to be released. I was at drum major camp and I was on my way home from drum major camp. We stopped at a grocery store so mom could buy some stuff to make dinner that night. And they had a thing setting out where they're like, we're going to be releasing the Harry Potter books in two days. But they had them kind of sitting out already. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I wonder if that means we can buy them. So I picked one up and we took it up front and we put it down and it scanned, but it popped up as no price. And so the lady put it to the side and then, um, as we were walking out, I realized she'd put it in my bag. So I pulled it out and started reading it. And then mom was like, did we even pay for that? And she looked at the receipt and we did it. And mom was like, oh, well, whatever. Let's go. Okay, then. Free Harry Potter. Do you remember the intense, intense violence that followed like the releases of the sixth book and some people just drive by book releases screaming, Snape killed Dumbledore? Uh, may or may not have been a participant. Oh, that sounds about right. It's important to realize about me as a person, especially me as a teenager, is that I was awful. I was the worst. I can see Kit the spiteful teen. I can see that being a real thing. Me and my friends just had long esoteric discussions about it while driving in my car. I also remember we got pulled over once when we went to see a Harry Potter movie. And like we were on our way home laughing about something in it. And the cop pulled us over and we're like, are y'all drunk? And we're like, no, we just watched Harry Potter. 
You have a surprising track record for being startlingly honest to cops. I do. It, it works out in my favor because I've been pulled over like 15 times. I am the worst driver, everybody. Don't imitate me at home. I've been pulled over like 15 times, but I've only gotten two tickets out of it. One time I seem to recall you told the cop that you were just really jamming along to the Superman soundtrack. That's why you were speeding? No, there, there was one time I was on my way to Chicago to visit my brother and uh, I got pulled over. Side story, I got pulled over. And literally the cop walks up to my door. And he goes, did you realize you're speeding? I was like, yeah. He goes, do you have a reason? Are you heading to an appointment or something? I was like, no, I was listening to Dance Magic Dance by Bowie. And he goes, you remind me of the babe. I said, yes, what babe? And he said, one minute, walked back to his car, was gone for like five minutes, comes back and is like, I'm just giving you a warning. I think he had to go collect himself. So here's what I think is going to be one of the main crux of the issues that we're going to talk about. And by that, I mean rant about because we decided we needed to have an episode where we could just ramble about something for an hour with very little, uh, very little prep. We were like, what can we rant about with no prep? I know Harry Potter. Yeah, we didn't really feel like reading or watching something after a long break. That felt like work. We've all got jobs. So here's the thing with Harry Potter. If you reread them, you will find that, especially the first book, there's a whole lot in common in terms of tone and writing with Roald Dahl. If you don't know Roald Dahl or that name doesn't immediately ring a bell, we're talking about the guy that wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the BFG, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. And a lot of those are very much children's stories. They have a very clear theme in there. There's a lot of very relatable characters, but oftentimes it simplifies things where, you know, it follows a sort of a physiognomy rule where all of the beautiful people are kind and gentle and all of the ugly people are evil and mean. And there's a whole lot of stretches of imagination where things really shouldn't work, like all of Charlie's grandparents living in the same bed forever. I don't, I don't, I don't want to find out what that mattress looks like. No, but you just sort of have to take that as it comes because it's all a bit of a fairy tale and a lot of the first Harry Potter book and a lot of the caveats and things that we have to accept for the rest of the book for, in terms of setup come from there as well. Cheer up, Charlie. I think Mackenzie's just trapped in a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory place. Yeah, she is. She goes in and out. It's kind of a constant thing. And then, then the books become a little slightly more mature and Harry gets older and the books start to get a little darker. And as they, things start getting darker and more serious, well, some of that whimsy crap from the beginning doesn't quite work anymore, but it's also part of the canon now. So you have to work with it. And then you come up with like backhoed explanations for why things had to happen. Like Harry Potter had to stay with his comically horrible family because of like a love charm or something that would keep him safe is is that actually the reason or that's that's actually part of the reason yeah uh, that because his mom loved him uh, petunia can still kind of carry the charm that would protect him from voldemort over the summer and it has to be renewed yeah he had to stay there every summer otherwise voldemort could like find him or something what but when he comes of age that is no longer an issue so he doesn't have to stay with them when he comes of age for reasons. Okay. And by the way, we're also using comes of age in the very specific sense where wizards come of age when they're 17. Why 17? Because there's seven books. So there's just some tonal dissonance is one of the main things here. There's some tonal dissonance in the way that the world was established and then the way that we have to work and tell other stories inside of it. And that's what sort of carries us through this shit. Question one, do wizards wear bras? So before we started this podcast today, I actually went out of my way to look it up on Pottermore. And it's not mentioned as undergarments aren't mentioned at all. So no idea. Who knows? 
But like, if you go to fucking Diagon Alley or anywhere wizards are, unless they're like cool teen wizards who wear jeans and hoodies, like they're wearing fucking Victorian outfits all the time. It is all Victorian clothes. And those Victorian clothes require like 20 different types of underwear. Including corsets, no bras. And while corsets are neat and sexy, bras are as, as uncomfortable as bras can be. They're an improvement. Do wizards know about bras? Do wizards know about all of the other undergarments that you can wear that aren't like things that will reshape your, your bones and, and organs? Do they just hold the tatas up with magic, maybe? For that matter, what about tampons? I actually read something about this, too. Are there wizard tampons? There aren't any uh, wizard tampons explicitly mentioned, but it does note a bunch of bathroom necessities are mentioned throughout the books, so one can assume that generally wizards do use tampons and or pads. But Harry wanders in and out of the magical world. But these are all, like, while they're at Hogwarts. I would love to believe that in the women's washroom at Hogwarts, there's all this like archaic bathroom stuff. And then off to the side, a shockingly modern looking tampon dispenser that only takes quarters, which nobody has. Harry being a dude who identifies as male does not normally see tampons in his bathroom. He is a shockingly dumb kid who doesn't really observe anything else that's going on, like, with other people, so... But what he does notice is he'll notice things like Ron coming out with a toothbrush in his mouth, or at one point uh, he overhears Ron saying, you've got toothpaste on your face to Hermione. So there's toothpaste and toothbrushes. At least, yes. And we do know that there are bathrooms uh, with standard stalls because of Moaning Myrtle. Okay, toothbrush, though. Toothpaste. Toothpaste in particular. These are muggle things. Things. So they're cool with having those muggle things? Maybe it's like a really archaic toothbrush. With horsehair bristles. Oh, ooh, ooh. The bristles keep coming off. Gotta pick horsehair out of your teeth. Oh, ah, ah. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> That's one of the major things, right? Where we, like, the wizarding world and, like, the real world, because they have to exist simultaneously, but also wizards are extremely secretive and, like, they don't know what the fuck a muggle is. There's there's dissonance there, right? I mean, look at fucking Voldemort. Uh, one of my very serious questions about the Wizarding World, and this isn't me being facetious, I am genuinely wondering why this isn't the case. The Wizarding World communicates with the Prime Minister of Britain. Prime Minister of Britain has powers, like governmentally speaking, has the ability to order things to happen. Voldemort has a tendency to stand on dramatic clifftops proclaiming that he's about to kick someone's ass. Why wasn't he picked off by an SAS sniper from 500 yards away? Like, my God, Potter Puppet Pals made that joke. Potter Puppet Pals did it, as did Ebony Darkness Dementia Way. Oh my god! Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way! Voldemort gave her a gun to kill Vampire Potter. We just want to clarify that Vampire Potter is, is Harry Potter. Yeah, he changed his name because it's more gothic. Like, I know we've covered this in previous episodes, but if you're just joining us for this one, My Immortal is a thing. Oh, it's a heck of a thing. We've all read it. Seriously, though, I would pay so much money to watch a recut of that last movie where he standing on the clifftop about to invade Hogwarts and all of a sudden his head just turns into a pink mist and you cut to like some, you know, jovially British SAS officer a mile away going, well, that's done and just walk off. I'm gonna go have some tea if you want to be pretty stereotypical. Yeah, yeah. He's got a mustache. He's played by the guy that played Sam Gamgee. Yes, perfect. We've got it done. You're welcome. Though, I guess if the Horcruxes, it wouldn't matter until after they were all destroyed. Ugh! 
Whore God. Now you've done it. Why can't you just call it a phylactery? That's what it is. Why does it need a special name? I still want to know whose decision it was to call it the frickin' Sorcerer's Stone in the United States. We can deal. If you're going to mention Nicholas Flamel and everything else about a Philosopher's Stone, surely you can just understand that American children will just frickin' deal. Uh, it bugs me. It bugs me a lot. It's just a phylactery. This is something I've noticed a lot in um, young adult novels in general, is that they are writing with the intent that this will become a brand. Therefore, the names they have for everything can't be the regular mythological names. They have to be more trademarkable versions. Like, for example, oh, are you a werewolf? Well, that's what everyone calls us, but really we're lichens. That sort of thing. So Voldemort menaced, like, Britain? The entirety of Britain? He was killing muggles? Like a little bit of France and Germany, but mostly Britain? Did anyone else outside of that area even care about Voldemort? I mean, speaking as someone who is currently watching a neighboring country dissolve into fascism. All right, I've got no bummers written here on my microphone. Moving on. Phylacteries. They're phylacteries. It's a phylactery, but no, they had to put it in a Warner Brothers movie. Therefore, it had to be a Horcrux because you can trademark Horcrux. God damn it. And like, I, I hate that name. I hate that name a lot. Sometimes I think about the pensive and I get really, really mad. That was a delayed reaction. I I pronounce Civ as Sieve. So it was a delayed reaction. It took me until John saying, oh no, I, I've always pronounced it Civ for me to suddenly sit there and that idea percolated. And then wait a minute, pensive. God! I love to believe that the way that conversation played out from John's point of view is he said, I've always pronounced it Civ, and there was like a solid five minutes of silence, and then all of a sudden you just screamed, Pensive God! Yeah, it was actually a lot like that. Can we talk about the whole Wizards did World War II thing? Oh God, yes, please. So, um, I understand there's deep background stuff with Grindelwald, and I looked it up at some point because I was curious, and the only thing that I retained about that is the fact that Grindelwald's war on the Wizarding World, that, that was the real cause of World War II. No, really? Grindelwald, we're talking about like, that was Dumbledore's like not boyfriend, right? Yeah. Hang on, I'm looking it up. I am looking it up so I can prove this to you. In a 2005 interview around the same time as Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was published, Rowling stated that it was not a coincidence that he was defeated in 1945, hinting at a connection with Adolf Hitler and at least the European front of World War II. Grindelwald seems to be the wizarding version of Adolf Hitler. As referenced by Rowling, the date of Grindelwald's duel with Dumbledore coincides with the downfall of Nazi Germany. Huh. So basically, World War II was not, in fact, caused by, you know, an economic downturn in Europe that was then blamed on immigrants and Jews and gay people and the disabled. It was instead caused by an evil wizard. A wizard did it. A wizard did it. Wizards did World War II. I don't like that. I don't care for that. I would not, I would not enjoy hearing that again, ever. You know, it's funny how um, Hitler is so well known in the public consciousness and we never heard of Grindelwald before book frickin' seven. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So Hogwarts. So Hogwarts, this magical school that you can get to by getting on a train where uh, instead of, say, going into, say, a door that's marked like don't enter or, say, any sort of wall that is inconspicuous to get to, you have to tell children to run headlong into a divider and that takes them to a magical train station somehow. That sounds like a dad joke waiting to happen. Just run straight there. You'll get to Hogwarts, I promise. How many how many dads do you figure persuaded their kids to just run face first into a wall? Oh, so many. If you had any charge of a child, would 
Would you miss that opportunity? Speaking as the person who sat next to her uh, best friend's locker and read off the death list from Harry Potter book seven before she'd had a chance to read it. Yes. That's terrible. Then again, it's not like the death list included that many important people. Anyway. You're supposed to have feelings, Annie. The owl died out of convenience. The Weasley twins were perfectly indistinguishable from one another. They never even had any separate personality or like opinions. They acted as one unit the whole time. So you had a spare. Can you tell Fred from George? No. You're supposed to feel bad for the one remaining Weasley twin, okay? I can't tell you which one died. It was either Fred or George. I don't know which one's still alive because I can't tell them apart at all. Lol, that's the joke. Fred died, by the way. Okay, great. How did I tell him apart from George before one of them got like an ear blown out a couple seconds before the other one died? Which one's Fred again? One of the twins. They're both interested in the exact same thing. None of their dialogue indicated any different personalities or perspectives. So it doesn't really matter which one died. Hagrid should have died. Yeah, that would have been a gut punch. Exactly. Hagrid should have died. He was like the closest thing to a parental figure that didn't try to manipulate him and fuck him over that Harry ever had. He was the first person to welcome Harry to the wizarding world. Yeah, that would have been fitting, but no. Nope. The owl died. Because Rowling wimped out. The owl isn't a people. You know what's also not a people? The sorting hat. Let's talk about the freaking sorting hat. Oh my god. First off, I blame the sorting hat for every young adult novel where it's like it's just dystopia where people are separated into arbitrary groups. I blame the sorting hat for that. I think you can also blame British boarding school systems. In general, yeah. But yeah, the sorting hat. The sorting hat where you find out whether you're going to be brave, smart, a stoner, or evil. I am evil. That's a great level of information to receive when you're 11 years old and your personality hasn't fully developed yet. Guess who you're going to be for the rest? of your life now. I still think Hufflepuff is just sort of the everybody else house, but I will concede that they probably spend a whole lot of time getting stoned because what the hell else are they going to do? They don't They don't get involved in any major plots. The only one that does is he fucking died. Do you know that in the Magical Creatures movie that was just released, the main character is a Hufflepuff? Oh, that sounds like an apology. That sounds like yet another thing that you backhoed into your own canon to say, no, see, it's cool. There's like other people. There's like one Jewish kid in Hogwarts, probably. I don't know. I named an Asian character Cho Chang. Dumbledore was definitely gay. Oh, yeah. This is something that's absolutely in the text and there for anyone to see. You didn't read my clear subtext about it? It just didn't come up because it wasn't part of Harry's story. Are you fucking kidding me? Have you met old gay people? They don't give a shit. Look, all you had to do was include one freaking line where Dumbledore clearly said, like, I suppose I was blinded by love or something to be like, I loved wizard Hitler or anything, anything. All the evil people get sorted into the same house. Why would you do that? Aside from the fact that you can determine whether someone's evil at 11 years old. Peter Pettigrew was a a Gryffindor and Merlin was a Slytherin. What, What do we know about Merlin? What we know from the legend. Yeah, and Merlin lived his life backwards, so he went to Hogwarts when he was dying? What? He slept with a lot of people he shouldn't have. A whole lot. He facilitated other people sleeping with people they shouldn't have. He definitely never said, hey, 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 Arthur, like, maybe, maybe don't sleep with your sister? Maybe don't do that? 
Like, I gotta defend my own. Merlin is like the worst wingman. He is, it's true. Well, I mean, in the Sword in the Stone movie, he did almost help Arthur get a sweet squirrel wife. So anyway, not only do you tell an 11-year-old that they're basically evil, you then put them in an environment where there is like no rehabilitation for the tendencies that would make them quote-unquote evil. You just put them all in the dungeon. You quarantine them. Where they just feed off of each other's negative emotions forever. Great idea. And then you make sure that every evil person and has come from that house. And why didn't Harry Potter have friends from other houses? It's not like he didn't see them. You don't have to sleep in the same room as someone to be friends with them. Hermione, that's great. Yeah, she is a very brave person. She's a very brave character. She's a she's great, but she should have been a Ravenclaw. Intelligence was her major character point. Like friggin' just have Harry Potter have friends from other houses. Like they can all be non-brave characters. It's cool. He can value other things than his other friends. Also, can we talk about the fact that the building itself is constantly trying to kill its own students. God, that's not whimsical. That's just shitty. Health and safety would be so mad. You have to have like a half hour between classes. You have to just so kids can freaking pitfall their way across the level to get to their next class. Why would the stairs just go like that? Why do the paintings? Why do the paintings have sentience? Can we talk about that uh, at no point does the education at Hogwarts teach you to actually do a job? Oh my God. It's all like magical friggin' history. Maybe doing some magic. What does everyone in the wizarding world do for a job? Like, they can't all work at the ministry. Apparently they do. They actually do cover a lot of this. Uh, Because there's the whole portion where it's like, we're talking about jobs and we're going to start sorting you and so you can start learning about your jobs. What are the jobs? The only ones Harry cares about are, of course, Aurors. But we've got Hermione who goes into talking about pondering being like a nurse or pondering going into like the more paperwork side of things. It might have been it might have been doctor or something. At least somebody said it. I just remember that somebody talked about going to St. Mongo's and working at at their hospital. I'm 90 percent sure it was Hermione. The one hospital. Their one hospital. Yeah, their one hospital. Which, on which note, is the thing that always infuriates me. Is that flu powder was invented in the 13th century. Apportation is a thing. They have all these brooms. They've got flying carpets, though they are illegal in England. How come the wizarding community isn't more inclusive? Why is it so, like, secular and separated from each other? Why do the people in London rarely see any of the mages from any other place when you can teleport there? Not to mention the fact that, like, in terms of getting places and meeting new people, slightly branching off of that, we apparently have time turners in canon now that can transport you back, like, decades. This is like time travel in Star Trek. Everyone just agrees not to do it. Unless you're saving whales. Oh my god, what if there were a Harry Potter book where they go back in time and save some whales? I would read that. You know, of all the Star Trek plots to get repeatedly ripped off, how come Save the Whales was never one of them? But yeah, I mean, Wizarding England is so completely self-contained. It's a fantasy of isolationism, which considering the rest of J.K. Rowling's politics is weird. Then you've got the thing with all like the magical races and stuff. Oh, God. Okay, let's talk about house elves. House elves, they really ought to just be brownies. They they ought to be brownies or like minor Seely Court fey folk. Or kobolds. Kobolds are household spirits. I know D D has you convinced that they're tiny lizards, but they're household spirits. Yeah, they just ought to work off of like household spirit and like household elf rules being there's an exchange involved. You leave out milk or something. You leave out a bowl of cream for a brownie, for instance, and they do your chores for you. But if you don't leave it out, they will f*** you up. But no, we had to have some awkward ham-handed commentary. We invented a race that likes slave labor. They prefer it, in fact. 
Uh, that's not historically significant at all. With the English, they prefer it. They prefer slave labor. And in fact, anyone who's talking about, say, maybe giving them rights or the ability to do other things if they want uh, is laughed at. It is treated as comedy for the entire series that one would even consider such a prospect. Yeah, great job, white English author. It's not that she was actively saying something. I think it's that she didn't think about it. And that sums up a lot of the really awkward stuff in Harry Potter. She just didn't think about it. And then she thinks about it afterwards and then, like, puts something up on Twitter that reveals a brand new facet of the wizarding world. Like, oh yeah, here's what the other characters did for a living. Like Harry. He's an Auror, I guess. His entire character arc was building towards the the idea of him being a teacher, of being the one person who got the defense against the dark arts job who wanted it, the one person who was able to make sure that nothing like that ever happened again to anybody else, the one person who actually was really good at teaching. Uh, no, he just, he becomes a wizard cop because she wrote that part first. Also, like, uh, Ministry of Magic hired a man who doesn't know what muggles are to study muggles. God! One of the first things that friggin' Mr. Weasley asks is, what is a rubber duck for? Well, you see, when your code's not working, you explain it to the rubber duck, and as you're explaining it to the rubber duck, you realize what the bug was, and you strangle the rubber duck in your hands while screaming, that was the problem the whole time? He never taught his family how to work a phone. None of them know how phones work. Phones would have been around for a very long time, and may I add, maybe, oh, slightly more efficient in getting a message to somebody with expediency than an owl. You know, I like my messages to be delivered in a format that doesn't result in uh, half-eaten mice being barfed all over my carpet. He has no idea. He probably doesn't even know what a computer is. And these books started in 1991. Personal computers weren't super widespread, but personal computers existed at the time. We had one. We had a Commodore 64. You could do so much math on a computer. Math, the thing wizards don't study. How do they get anything done if they don't study math? How do they build anything? They have arithmancy? What is that? That's basically like numerology, actually. So you tell the future with numbers. Oh my god. No. Notably, Hermione loves it while also hating divination. Ah, uh, Why does... No. No, 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 no. I think about that one kid a lot. I think about that one kid who must be really interested in a career in the sciences and like science or maybe being an astronaut or being like a mathematician or, or something. And then they have magic. So they go to wizard school and they never get to study any of that. They don't even study like language arts. They don't study literature. Did any of these kids even study Latin beyond like, these are words in a spell? Do they know they're speaking Latin? Well, half the spells are in Latin. Half, the other half are in just like old English. Well, that's fair. But like they don't study any any languages that these spells may be coming from, which seems like that could unlock a lot of potential in making new spells. You know, it really doesn't work like every time that you try and think about it. The fact that Harry Potter took place between 1991 and 1998. Why wasn't anyone wearing slap bracelets? Because they're all too busy wearing fucking cloaks and pointed hats. Why didn't they all just look like they walked out of a Buffy episode? The amount of belly shirts that were happening then. Chokers. Everyone should have been wearing chokers. Oh, constantly. What's the process for crafting spells exactly? I don't know. You can't cast a fucking spell if you don't have a wand, apparently. Even though sometimes you can. Like literally everyone besides the English can do it without wands, apparently. 
Should we should we talk about Ilvermorny? So Ilvermorny was founded in the 1600s. No, 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 no. In the 1600s. In fact, uh, the woman who founded it came over on, get ready for this, the Mayflower. No, the Mayflower. She was a Puritan witch. Uh, her father, William Sayre, was a direct descendant of the famous Irish witch Morrigan, an animagus whose creature form was a crow. That's not what Morrigan was? No. Morrigan was a three-headed goddess of war. She was a terrifying fairy queen. 1600s. 1600s. So, so 1600s. School's been around a while. And then, uh, and then let's see, the, uh, the Salem Witch Trials happened, like, right down the road. So that's pretty cool. And then, uh, so the French, the French decide, oh, yeah, that's nearby. Let's just send our kids over to the English school. And then the Spanish also say, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's already a school over here. Let's just send our kids across the French over to the English school. And then every single person who was already there were like, yeah, this seems like a great idea. Let's do this. Let's just, let's just integrate with these settlers. This will be good for everybody. Let's send all of our aboriginal children to a school run by whitey people. Historically, this has never gone badly. Looking at you, Canada. Because, you know, apparently shamanism is fake. We can't even cast proper magic without European wands. And that's that's something that I've noticed about, like, British authors in general. Like, you will get British readers getting very annoyed if Americans or Canadians write about Britain and their research is inadequate. Or even if just, like, there's little nitpicky type stuff. Like, terminology they get wrong. British authors will turn around and write the just most erroneous cowboyish bullshit. And if called on, it will just brush it off. Hogwarts, the reason it has four houses is because it's based off of British boarding school systems. That's the same reason Gunner Creek Court has four houses. And uh, we don't really have those in, in North America. At least not in the United States. There are some schools that are vaguely based off of that, but we don't really have that. Even private schools let you go home at the end of the day. The closest I ever got was homeroom, where you'd have a homeroom teacher and then the rest of the day would just be mingling with whoever. Yeah, that's not really a thing. That's never really been a, a widespread thing. And also, let's talk about the fact that America and Canada and Mexico, oh, they're, they're quite large. They're quite large and they have vastly different cultures depending on where you go. How many schools would we have? Let's see. Well, I mean, Canada only has 35 million people and a lot of them live in rural areas. I'm guessing there's going to be just a lot of magic homeschooling happening. I could see a system that's very similar to school on the air that they have out in the uh, in the outback. Uh, reservations, especially because they are technically different than, say, even a state, they would probably have their own magic schools. We're talking sovereign territory, at least in the states here. Yeah. Let's see. Let's start with the contiguous United States. Yeah, I would say there'd be five to cover kind of like the different areas, like one for the New England area, one for kind of like the Southeast, uh, one for the Plains. If we really wanted to go narrow here, like one for the West. So like four, at least. California by itself, just by population, would need its own school. Yeah. Like, I would say there'd be more than that, but if we really wanted to minimize. I mean, you'd probably have one in the Rockies. That would be a major one, uh, especially because it's easier to hide in the Rockies. I would suggest you might even get one just for the Northwest, like around Portland and Seattle, simply because those are such huge trading hubs, even before white people and uh, other settlers came into the area. And you'd probably have one definitely for the Spanish America parts, probably in like the middle of Texas or something. That'd be a real Really neat aesthetic too, just to kind of uh, learn how they deal with robes and things like that. Like, can we also add that Ilvermorty is supposed to be on the peak of Mount Greylock, 
which is real, and you can drive to the top of it. It is not an isolated mountain peak. Oh, it's fine. There's like magic or something. Can you imagine somebody driving to the top of Mount Greylock and just boom, right into the side of an invisible castle? How about one in the middle of the Everglades? That would be so good. You can bet your ass that as soon as the South started talking about seceding, they would have established their own magic school, completely separate from any union schools. Tuck them in like all the mountains of the Appalachia or they'd put them down there. And like and, and like I said, in the middle of like the Everglades, in the middle of the swampy areas. Oh, yeah. Can we also discuss that uh, J.K. Rowling has apparently taken the stance that there is no racism in wizard school? Because I call bullshit. I mean, the concept of indigenous Americans sending their children to schools run by white people is in and of itself like racially historically bad bad shit happened and it's not even that they sent their kids these kids were taken away these kids were taken away from their parents and taken to these schools and forced to assimilate and abused and yeah this is not this is not the sort of historical fact that you want to be evoking but i'm guessing jk rowling didn't know about any of that because to most british authors native americans are basically elves you can't apply whimsy to a lot of this shit that's what bugged me the most about the american wizarding history thing from Pottermore was just that she is one of the richest people. She can afford to do research or have somebody else do research. Hell, she probably could have reached out to any of the tribes in North America or any of the First Nations people and just spoken to them, said, could a representative work with me on this? And they probably would have found at least one group that was willing to say, let's try to make this not garbage and also let's work out a way where you can actually respect our own histories. Hell, if you'd done a little bit of reading. Yeah. Look at Moana, where they got a whole group together just to be like, no, that's insulting. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a good chunk of the credits that just list out every single organization and every single Pacific Islander group they talked to and even listed some people specifically. Like, I I remember listening to an interview where they were like, at first we'd included at one point Moana throwing down a coconut, but they're like, no, that's her whole life. She wouldn't do that. That's incredibly disrespectful and she's a respectful person. And they're like, okay, well, we're dropping that. That scene's no longer in there. You can do that too, J.K. Rowling. It's a connected world. You don't have an excuse for this shit anymore. You've got like a billion dollars. Been part of your billion dollars on research. Speaking of that, the problem is that this is all built upon a fundamentally just shaky house of cards because we're also talking about like the Weasleys. They are they're they're a huge Irish family. They are built upon probably at least some stereotypes about Irish Catholic families. Yeah, the ton of babies for one. Yeah. So the Catholic part of that, everything that Jesus Christ did that was listed as a miracle, wizards can do a lot of that. <laughs> oh no! Are we saying Jesus is a wizard? Did wizards do Christianity? This is shaky crap. How are you approaching anything involving magic like this? Oh no, I didn't even think about that. Like, we know culturally there's like one Jewish student like confirmed, at least thanks to Twitter. I'm assuming there were more. And then you have the Jewish mysticism tradition, yeah. And like, what religion is everybody? How does your religion change when you know magic exists? Here's the fundamental issue, right? Placing Hogwarts and the whole wizarding world right alongside the real world and not setting up any of these fundamental questions in there. Or at the very least, it doesn't seem like there's any thought put towards that and making that function. If you completely put the wizarding world in like a separate world, like say what Little Witch Academia seems to do, which says that it's like, you know, a separate regular world or even like Kiki's Delivery Service. It's sort of a separate, idealized, quote unquote, 
real world next to the wizarding world. If you're completely separating them and you're saying that the regular world, the one that we live in, we the people that read the book live in, is right next to the wizarding world, you're running into some huge problems there. Oh, can we get onto the nitpicky topic of where technology apparently doesn't work in Hogwarts and how dumb that is? When I was in eighth grade, uh, I lived down in a neighborhood right next to the river that runs through my city and the river had been swollen that year and as a result, the entire neighborhood was on flood watch. So my parents insisted that I keep my cell phone on me at all times uh, in case they needed to call me and let me know that they were evacuating that I should come back to the house because it was probably underwater. My teacher at the time was quite irate that I had kept my cell phone on me in the class and he said, well, why can't your parents just call the school to let you know? And I said, have you tried calling the school and trying to get in touch with one of his students? You can't. Now keep in mind, my school in 2004 was quite modern with all sorts of phones and internet access and things like that. How the fuck are you going to get a hold of your kid sending a letter to Hogwarts? You have to send an owl, pretty much. You send an owl. Like, if you need to get a hold of your kid right the fuck away, what are you supposed to do? You send, like, a fast owl? That's true. Let's let's send an animal with this very important message that has a non-zero chance of getting hit by a plane before it gets to its destination. So it's like a vaguely intelligent owl? Are these enchanted magic owls? Because, like, you can tell them to take a letter someplace and they'll, like, do it? Still could get hit by a plane. Just saying. Or, like, anything. Anything. You have, like, little tiny owls that could probably get picked off by, like, an eagle. How does Hermione send letters? Did Hermione's parents send her letters? Did she buy them an owl? Do they now have to feed an owl? Is that part of the lifestyle now? You just accept that you now have to be those weird neighbors with the owl? You can't just keep an owl in a birdcage. You have to have a whole muse for it out back. These are, like, magic smart owls that don't need that. They just sleep in a cage until they're relevant to the story. Yeah, sure, that's a great way to make sure that your tame bird of prey's muscles atrophy. Do you think Hermione's parents just, like, decided to just start writing letters, like, and put it in the post and hoped it got there? There's gotta be, like, a lot of muggle parents that don't know how the hell to communicate with their child, right? For the love of God, D&D has a spell where you can write something on a piece of paper and send it to somebody, like, magically, and it gets there instantly. I guess they have magic yelling at you, paper. But even then, that has to be delivered via owl. I mean, 1998, that was, like, we definitely had like regular email clients at that point, right? Yeah. I had Hotmail. That's when I had my original Hotmail. I guess the Wizarding World is too busy feeling very smug about themselves because they put a little bit of a dead man's consciousness into a painting and made it live on in a ghastly unlife for centuries. Yeah, question. Is being in a painting just a living hell or... Like even regular people that are in paintings like the fat lady, they seem to have their own lives and interests but only in other paintings. Is it just a nightmare? What is that like? I mean, they have to know, right? They have to know that they can never actually touch anyone they love ever again. Oh, God, this is some Ravenloft shit right here. I could see a whole thing about, like, a man in a portrait who is basically, like, somehow managed to enslave painters to keep making portraits of his loved ones so he could actually touch them again. What about newspaper headline photos? How smart are they? They're like gifts, right? Are they? I don't know. I remember the one that Sirius L that one did was scream. Yeah, because he was sent to the only wizard prison that exists. And it's the worst wizard prison. Minor infractions get sent to that wizard prison. It's supermax or nothing. It's staffed by monsters 
Jews who eat happiness. Because that's a great rehabilitatory environment. That's where you send someone if you want to make sure that they come out the other side of it a productive member of society. Didn't Dumbledore get sent there for some arbitrary reason and like then he went back and also they keep murderers in there? You think they had to put him in isolation because otherwise the entire population of the prison would try to shank him? Oh, definitely, right? That's like putting the Punisher in prison. He's not trapped in here with them. They're, they're trapped in there with him. Alas, earwax. Okay, so if like a wizard commits a crime against a muggle, let's say assault, they're tried in the wizard judicial system, not the muggle judicial system. Yeah, they're, they're tried in the wizard judicial system and the muggle tends to just have their brain wiped. So they don't remember the trauma that they endured. Okay, so that's... Uh... It's, actually, uh, it's actually gone into at one point where they remember like feeling uncomfortable or they feel like fear about something, but they can't put their finger on why. Wow! So they have the PTSD, but not the memories from it. Great. That's fantastic. And they never have any closure or anything about it. Okay, okay. And the wizard judicial system means that you either get a slap on the wrist or you go to Supermax. Okay. Holy shit. This is terrible. Muggle always seems like it's used in a really negative context. Like, no one ever says, oh, cool, muggles. Hey, you guys, the muggles, they invented penicillin. Hey, you guys, isn't this great? The muggles have gone to space. Can you imagine the day the news arrived that the muggles went to the moon? They did what? This raises another question. Are there alien wizards? I don't think there's anything that we have in Harry Potter that is equipped with language with which we could explore this avenue of thought. I mean, that's always my question in a fantasy universe is, okay, you've got this planet floating in, in space. Are there other planets? Are there aliens in this world that you've created? Is there an entire infinite universe out there? Or is it basically like a crystal sphere with this planet floating in it and nothing else? I think we hand wave that with other dimensions. Yeah. Other planes. Well, I mean, now we're just getting into Spelljammer, which is, let's not. I mean, I love Spelljammer, but it's confusing. Have we thoroughly exhausted ourselves now? Have we gone through everything that we want to yell about involving Harry Potter? Well, not everything, but enough things. Okay. So with absolutely no rise or fall of action or any kind of conclusion, I think we've yelled enough about the wizarding world. We realized that we probably got like a lot of nitpicky little details wrong because we always get a lot of nitpicky little details wrong. Please don't comment to tell us what we got wrong. We know. We know. We're not scholars on Harry Potter. We're just three idiots. What they always say on Sailor Business is that... We're not experts. We're just the guys who have microphones. We happen to have quite nice microphones and we decided to yell about Harry Potter for an hour. We hope you enjoy it. So, you know, happy 2017. Let's do our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? Bullets beat dark wizards in the same way that paper beats rock. Mac, what's your final fact? I'm debating between two. One is Matthew Lewis is a total hottie. Okay. And the other is I'm an evil wizard and you can be too. Slytherin for life. Annie, what's your final fact? My final fact is penicillin and bras are much better than the alternative. We went to the moon. Suck it, wizards. Have the wizards gone to space? I don't think so. That will wrap it up for our undisputable fact, which is that the wizarding world makes no goddamn sense. Again, uh, let's just put this here in the outro too. We do like Harry Potter. <laughs> it may be difficult to tell, but we don't hate it. I hate the wizarding world, but I like Harry Potter a lot. And I love the Harry Potter wizarding world of Orlando. 
That is a great theme park. Give me some butterbeer any day. That stuff is amazing. It's like a five second long theme park couched in like really, really old Marvel crap and Dr. Seuss crap. And here's the thing. And this is something that may not be immediately obvious in a lot of the larger Harry Potter fandom is that loving something doesn't mean you have to think it's perfect. There's a lot to critique in the storytelling of Harry Potter, just as there's a lot to critique in the storytelling of seminal works of literature and and film. You can love something for its flaws or even despite them. This entire podcast is us loving things for their flaws. It's true. Except for the, the Swan Princess Christmas special. We just kind of hate that one. And if you ask any of us what our favorite things are, we're likely to include things that we kind of hate a little in there too. For instance, if you ask me, I will probably say that Ever After is one of my favorite movies to watch, and I hate that movie. Oh man, I love and hate that movie. But really, if you take away one thing from this episode and any of our other episodes, is that you can love to hate something and love it as well. You don't have to like anything, ironically. You can just like it and hate it too. I'm pretty sure there's only one thing I hate, hate, hate in this world, and that's James Joyce. We'll get to that later. So I Will Fight You comes out just about every six weeks on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. You can find us over at our main podcast, which is The Gem Jam, which comes out every week uh, shortly since we just came back from break on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. That one is our episode by episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem of the Holograms. And subsequently, if you want to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr. On Twitter, we are at Gem Jam. Cast and on Tumblr, you can either find us at our grander label, which is a uh, crooked Russian cam, or at the Gem Jam. We like talking to you. Let us know what you think. Send us hate mail about Harry Potter. It's gonna happen. Send us mail about how we got everything about Harry Potter wrong, or we didn't get enough about it wrong. We'll read it and then we'll yell at each other on Twitter about it. Join us next time when uh, we will talk about the upcoming uh, reboot of The Mummy, where we will discuss the unassailable stone cold fact that the world has no more room for more mummy movies. This will probably just be us recapping the existing mummy. It's the Steven Soderbergh version of The Mummy, which is the superior mummy. We're already calling it as the superior mummy versus June 9th, The Mummy. We just know. It's not getting better than this, folks. So join us next time when we talk about the Ur-Mummy. And in the meantime, folks, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Oh.